Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Symposium Extraordinaire. This is your ringleader, Nathan Freitas of The Guardian Project. You're listening to our series from the Clean Insights Symposium Extraordinaire of podcast panels. We're hosting a month-long online event where we'll be interviewing, discussing, and connecting with data scientists, designers, and developers, and others interested in how we might measure uh, the internet and users of the internet and users of privacy-enhancing technology, but measure in a way that preserves their privacy, that empowers them, that empowers uh, the people building these tools to improve them without harming their users or breaking their trust. I'm very excited today to have been able to interview Arturo Filasto of Uni, who represents a really amazing team um, and effort that's grown from uh, what I remember in the early days of, uh, of the project, a few scripts to kind of run some tests on the internet to see where there might be latency, how you might detect censorship by looking at testing specific things to a a really robust, well thought out, um, not only set of technology, but uh, process and data set and theory of change really about um, how measurement can be beneficial, how it can be decentralized and have many people participate in, in it, how the collection of data can be transparent, and how you can create a real um, sort of a bond and connection of trust with those producing the measurements um, that treats them as you know equals in the process uh, as long as they are informed um, properly and, and give their consent. And this is a really exciting piece that you know if you look in the notes you'll see something unique about the way the Uni Explorer app, I mean the Uni Probe app, um, asks for informed consent. And uh, hopefully after this, or while you're listening to this, you should actually go and install Uniprobe on your Android or iPhone device and see how it works. So maybe you could listen to the podcast while you're listening, install the app, run some measurements, and go through this informed consent process they've thought out um, and see how it makes you feel um, about participating in measurement. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hi, uh, I'm uh, Arturo Filasso, uh, and I work on uh, the UNI project, the Open Observatory of Network Interference. And I'm currently based out of Rome, Italy. Great. Now, as I said earlier when we were talking, I'm wearing a UNI t-shirt, which is uh, one of my favorite shirts. And um, it features this kind of all-seeing octopus, perhaps, or maybe it's not all-seeing. It only has one eye, but it has tentacles. Um, and I've always wanted to ask a bit more about the uh, the connection to this creature and how you feel it represents uh, what uni is. Because when people see my shirt, they always ask, oh, what's that? And why is it an octopus? And what is this project? So how would I answer that question? <laughs> how would you answer that? Well, I mean, I think... Uh, uh... The nice thing of, of logos that are not uh, necessarily so, uh, 
like descriptive and uh, material in a way uh, that it's immediate why uh, it uh, it is connected to that particular tool or app i think is that uh, you can uh, you can and you should give it the interpretation that uh, uh, you think is uh, most fitting um, i can tell you why um, you know what 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 was the source of inspiration that uh, uh, led me to uh, uh, imagine uh, having uh, this uh, this octopus quattro as uh, uh, as the mascot of uni um, and i guess it, it is that um, you know like um, the ocean is uh, um, and the global ocean is uh, um, is a place that uh, i think has a, a very powerful energy and uh, uh, it is inhabited by these creatures that oftentimes we we actually don't see or interact with because uh, uh, in fact they are underneath the sea uh, and in a way that is somehow uh, similar i think to how the internet is like it's this um, you know, we, we, we see maybe some manifestations of the internet. We see, uh, you know, we access it through our computers, but we don't necessarily um, know or, or have insight into, um, you know, what is happening in all the various different parts of, of the internet. And uh, um, octopi um, are actually very, are, are, are very uh, intelligent uh, creatures. Uh, they have... Uh, um, their, their whole body is actually a, a, a huge nervous system, uh, which is able to uh, think independently and autonomously on its own. So uh, every single tentacle of an, of an octopus can, um, can sort of work uh, independently from the rest of the body. Uh, and I think this is somehow a pretty uh, powerful metaphor also for what it is that we do with, the, uh, with Uni, which is in fact uh, enabling decentralized efforts uh, at uh, measuring and uncovering uh, information controls throughout the internet. So uh, anybody, in a way, by installing Uniprobe on their phone or on their computer, uh, can become one of these many tentacles of uh, this, uh, um, let's say, giant octopus that covers the whole global ocean of the internet around the world and uh, contribute to uh, improving our understanding of how uh, the internet um, works, uh, how it evolves, uh, and what sort of limits uh, to the free flow of information are um, enforced on it. And you touched on two things there that really resonated with me within the clean insights concept. One is that there is this vast sort of hidden world that maybe as a app developer, a service provider, you really only understand anecdotally. You know, you might see a, a flipper pop out, you might see a fin jump up, you might see a school of fish go by on your boat, yeah. but you don't know really what's happening. And and within censorship of the internet, you know, you would hear stories like, oh, there was, I couldn't access this site from this country, or Tor was really slow over here. But we had very few ways that were um, enabling anyone to participate in measurement to back that up with data, right? And and that's where I feel Uni has played a important and uh, essential role. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, one of the uh, founding, um, one of the main motivations behind uh, the creation of a project like Uni was precisely that of being able to go beyond 
just anecdotal and hearsay uh, based uh, documentation of uh, cases of uh, internet censorship around the world. So uh, we wanted to be in a place where um, we would not have to just rely on, ah, this uh, uh, person told me that uh, this, app, this social media app was blocked or uh, this, uh, you know, suppose like this, uh, uh, this research that was produced though, uh, with unclear, undocumented methodologies, and the data that was used to produce uh, this, you know, nice chart is not available. Or, um, you know, we, as as uh, as coming from a technical background, um, for me, a lot is also just curiosity and 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 knowing um, on a on a on a technical level what does it mean that this website is blocked? How is that actually being implemented? Uh, from a technical perspective. Uh, and this is only a thing that you can really do uh, when you have uh, the richness of, of data uh, available as uh, a tool like Uni or Uniprobe provides. Um, and, and also that this data is collected in a way that is uh, documented and specified. So you can, uh, in fact, make some sense of it. Right. And yeah. the other thing you touched on before was around this decentralized volunteer um, participation of those collecting data, that ability to participate, and then this reproducibility and transparency around how it was collected, what the raw data was that led to a report and that um, spectrum there from gathering to um, analyzing to publishing. And so there are people you know, it as part of these tentacles of the octopi that are playing that role. And how do they, who are those people and what is the user experience and, and consent that they have to give to be measured, right? What, are this, what is their mindset as part of this network? Because it's not just like you're setting up kind of nodes around the world. There's a lot of different people contributing to this. And And one thing with Clean Insights we're really concerned about is, once we kind of understand what we want to measure and how to do it safely, how do we engage the beneficiaries, we call them, not just our users, but th those people that will benefit from this measurement? How do we explain it to them? How do we make it worthwhile for them to uh, experience maybe some increased risk? Right. So I think uh, in terms of who today is the uh, primarily the Uni or Uniprobe audience, I would say uh, a lot of it is um, people that um, either thanks to the outreach work that we have done ourselves or, um, you know, connecting to various uh, local uh, digital rights NGOs all around the world with our uh, partnership program, um, which are, you know, local um, organizations that deal already with the topics of uh, digital rights and uh, with whom we collaborate as part of the UNI partnership program on research reports. Uh, and these, these groups do a lot of um, advocacy and promotion of the tools to um, engage their local communities to uh, run the tool and use it uh, in order to collect uh, data for, uh, to support the important work that they do. Uh, there's also definitely um, a lot of people that use Uniprobe because they've heard of it from, um, you know, let's say broadly speaking, the uh, internet freedom community. 
Um, more specifically, I guess a lot of people probably heard of it from, uh, uh, from the Tor project, uh, which is in fact uh, the organization from which uh, this project was born. Um, and to date, uh, we have uh, around, let's say in the order of tens of thousands of users that on a monthly basis uh, run the tool to collect uh, evidence of uh, internet censorship. Um, you've, had, you've had a lot of downloads of the Android app, at least I've seen um, more than 10,000, right? There's a lot of people who've installed it to see what it is. Yeah, I think we, we have in the hundreds of thousands of installs. Uh, the, this, this number that I'm, uh, uh, that I'm referencing now, the tens of thousands, is uh, uh, what, what I guess is called the monthly active users count. So that is basically um, a person that has, uh, in some capacity, at least opened up the app uh, or you know, run some tests uh, in, in a month. Uh, and that that's in the the order of like twenty to thirty thousand, I think. Uh, and the app itself, I, I'm trying to remember, uh, but I believe in the onboarding, there's some sort of warning or information about what it is right. you're doing with this app. Because it's, you know, I think of it as like a speed test dot net for censorship, you know, and and but it's not just speed test because you're not just downloading a file; you're actually kind of probing the network. And so there's this moment where you're saying, "Hey, user." There might be this extra risk you're taking on by activating this, and you should know about it. Right. So, um, yeah, to get to that. So, so that's, uh, that's a very important um, topic, which is one that uh, we, take, uh, we have taken very, um, very at heart and very seriously because it's, uh, in fact, a very important aspect to uh, any type of research, for that matter, that involves uh, human participants. Uh, and that is... Uh, sort of the notion of uh, informed consent and ensuring that um, the you know the subject, the participant in uh, the research or the study that you are doing, is uh, aware of what are uh, the risks, the potential risks that they are um, you know engaging in by um, using your tool and being part of this uh, type of study. Um, so while it is the case that we don't, we're not aware of anybody uh, having ever gotten into trouble for being an Uniprobe user, uh, or for that matter, we're not aware of anybody getting getting into trouble for doing any sort of uh, network measurement uh, related uh, activity. Um, however, um, this has been a, a pretty, um, you know, there, there was definitely a period in time in which. Uh, the academic community, uh, in particular, uh, debated a lot about what could be the best practice or what should be the best practices in terms of acquiring informed consent and ensuring that uh, participants in studies uh, such as network measurement studies uh, are aware of the potential risks involved. Uh, and so at UNI, we sort of took this uh, approach even to a, to a next, uh, next level, if you wish, uh, in that... Uh, we, we really care that users understand uh, what the tool is doing uh, because we, as, uh, you know, as software developers, as researchers, uh, we cannot possibly know all of the possible risks associated with running the tool in every possible uh, legal or, um, you know, in, in, any, in every country around the world. It's, it's just too many uh, policies and too many legislations to take into account. Uh, and 
you know, you you add on top of that the fact that uh, even where you do know the legislation, it still depends a lot on the particular situation that that particular user might be in. Um, and so our approach to informed consent has been that of uh, first ensuring that users in fact are informed and that they know what the tool is doing. Uh, and in order to ensure this, what we have added as part of our onboarding process of the app uh, is that um, you know instead of just overflowing them with the uh, pages and pages of terms of service and documentation that most likely 90% of users will not read at all. Uh, we also have that available. It's available on our website and on other, uh, you know, um, there, there's, there's definitely also much more in-depth, long documentation. But from the perspective of the app, we really try to focus on ensuring that uh, two key concepts uh, are clear to users of our tool. And that is, one, that by using this tool, anybody observing the network, whether that is your government, your ISP, your school, your office, or you know anybody who has access to network traffic of the user, can know that they are a user of the Uniprobe tool. So that's the first thing that we want them to be aware of. And the second thing is that we want them to be aware of the fact that by default, unless they opt out of the setting, all their network measurement data will be automatically published. And this network measurement information could potentially include personally identifiable information. Right. So based on these two points, um, we then, uh, you know, it's, it's up to the user to, to, to think, okay, what does this mean for me? Like, could I get into trouble? Would uh, my government be upset if they knew that I was an Uniprobe user? Or... Um, is it a liability for me to have uh, a measurement uploaded on the internet that's there forever uh, that, you know, says that I ran Uniprobe at this moment in time? And if that is a concern for, a, for, for, for somebody who's about to uh, run or use the tool, um, then, you know, it's probably, it's probably best for them to, to not use it. Um, you know, we're, we are fine with that. Like, we, we think that that is, uh, you know, if, if a user... Uh, ends up in our app uh, and 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 figures that out that they should not use it. That that's great. That that means that uh, you know we're doing things right. Yeah. And, to and further you, ensure that users understand this concept, uh, like these two points, we we introduce a quiz. So we have a quiz uh, as part of the onboarding process, which is very simple. It's just a two true or false uh, questions, which are basically testing them on the knowledge of these two points. Uh, and if they answer the question wrong. We explain to them why they why why you know the answer that they provided is wrong, uh, and this way uh, it becomes also a learning experience, and and this is a requirement in order for somebody to use Uniprobe. And that quiz really stuck in my mind and is so unique. I mean, maybe there's other apps that have done it. Uh, it really is a great moment where you sort of get the the basic you know heads up. As you said, human language. Okay, that's great. Wow, they have this nice, uh, approachable language around what's happening with the app. But then once you hit understand, it says, do you really understand? And you get a pop quiz. And it's so charming and effective um, and kind of treating the user both as a human and as a student. And uh, I don't know where, I, you know, that's a whole discussion maybe to talk about and we are actually are on our design track with um, OK Thanks and Simply Secure going to touch on some of these things. So we'll probably bring this up and feature this in the rest of the event as one interesting model of consent UX. 
is there what's the story short story behind this where did it come from the inspiration is this something you've seen in other apps or was this part of a process you went through to think of this pop quiz well actually the story of that pop quiz is quite interesting uh in that uh it is an idea that we came up with uh while developing global leaks so it was uh it was actually part of some of the initial versions of global leaks i think since global leaks 0.2 maybe right uh, okay. where we had the idea that we would basically put um a pop quiz that people had to answer in order for them to access uh, the GlobalX instance via Tor to web mode. So the idea right. was that uh, we didn't want to just outright block uh, people from using um, GlobalX not over Tor, like from something that's not a Tor browser. But we, what we wanted to ensure is that if they were to do that, uh, at least they knew what they were going into and, and they could do that in a way that they were informed of the risks. Um, yeah. And I guess this, you know, this goes into, I think, a bit and also, I think, treating your users with respect. Right. Uh, which right. Is, is not like um, I'm going to as a developer, uh, because I know better, tell you what you can or cannot do with my so with the software that we develop. Um, you know, it's it's a free and open source software. Anybody should be able to use it. Uh, in the place and in the way that they see most fit, um, but in order, but 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 we still care that people don't shoot themselves in the foot, you know. So as long as people demonstrate that they, you know, somehow understand what it is that's going on, uh, they should be able to use it however they want. And and that's, um, you know, I, I guess it's it's maybe also related in a way to like harm reduction, right? Where it's not like yeah. just say this thing never going to happen. Uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, impossible to do it right. It's like, okay, people are going to do it anyways. Like people are going to use stuff, not over tour, at least let's teach them what happens if you do it, not over tour. Uh, and what is, what are the, the risks that you may run into? Um, we've also been considering this approach in our clean insights, UX kind of toolkit that instead of opt in and opt out being a binary kind of feature at the beginning of an app or buried in settings around, you know, do you want to be measured to help improve the app that something more like we call just in time kind of, um, opt in basically as throughout the experience of the app, if there's things we might be able to improve with collaboration with the user to do some measurement, we'll ask them. Right. And then as part of that, we'll need consent. So we've thought and, and looked at what Uni's done here with how do we explain to them what we want, how do we get their consent in, in an informed way and allow them to make the choice rather than just saying, give us your data to make it better, yes or no. You know, So um, the second part of the, the consent is around data sharing and transparency there. And I think it's another key part of Uni that we take inspiration from, which is all the data is, is collected and is um, published publicly. So there isn't sort of this hidden repository. There isn't this idea that you're going to collect things. It'll be safe because you're keeping it safe in your super secret database that will never be hacked, of course. It's that what you're collecting is public and there's transparency. And so um, you're, you're not sort of collecting data that would outright harm the user, you know, beyond what they've consented to, right? So that transparency is a key part in keeping your system honest. And in, in some kind of harm reduction, because there isn't this hidden repository that might have harmful data. Yeah, exactly. I mean, our, 
our idea since the beginning of uh, of how we we're going to build Uniprobe was that we wanted, uh, or or actually Unimore uh, in general, is that we wanted um, we we didn't ever want to be in a position where somebody could come to us and say, "Hey, hand over all the uh, all the stuff that's going to help us hunt down these users," or you know, I know you have the secret data. Uh, share it with us so that we can uh, go after these people. Uh, like the the whole system was always designed from day day one to be um, in a way. Let's say I I don't want to say privacy by design because Uni is not a privacy tool. Uh, but in any case, that uh, there's there's not there's nothing that uh, we have additional from what anybody else has out there um, because we want to focus on 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 doing what we do well, which is that of building uh, great software, of building uh, great tools, uh, and not of um, you know having to worry to protect our servers and ensure that our infrastructure doesn't get hacked, um, because that's that's a hard problem, and and you're up against very powerful actors, and and if and and it's I think just it's not so much a matter of um, if you're going to get hacked or not. It's about how much it costs to hack you. Uh, and, and with a um, sufficiently resourceful and uh, powerful uh, actors, as uh, uh, certain governments tend to be from time to time, um, it's, you know, you're up against uh, some pretty uh, tough uh, attackers. And uh, I think if you can design your system in such a way where you uh, you don't have the keys to, uh, uh, you know, the grand palace uh, that can uh, lead your uh, users being in trouble. Uh, that's, I, I think that's that's much better. Yeah, and we focus on communicating the idea of data is not gold. It's it's a toxic byproduct, a toxic asset um, that you know can create value, can create energy for insights. But if you're collecting sort of toxic data, you're right. The cost of, of holding that toxic asset, um, of containing it, of ensuring the radioactivity doesn't leak, all of those metaphorical problems that translate into the digital world is very high, even if you never get compromised, just, just kind of all that extra expense. And, and so the yeah. idea being un- deciding what you're collecting um, and ensuring that you can be transparent with what you're collecting. And, you know, this came also from the Tor metrics project as inspiration, um, you know, understanding specifically what they want to measure and building that into their model um, was, was important. Do you, um, you know, I guess to challenge all of this a little bit and to uh, ask you, I mean, how, so, so Uni's designed this amazing system, but how ultimately has, and does it benefit users of tools i mean is it it's an act it's interesting sometimes to get data to make some charts to write some reports and see that but like does it the people that are running the tool the people that live in the places that you're measuring how does the output of your work then circle back and help them well i think an essential uh piece to uh to this type of uh let's say impact uh, of the work we do is uh, for sure uh, the local uh, uh, partnerships that we form with digital rights uh, organizations all around the world. 
that are then, in fact, the people on the front line uh, doing the uh, advocacy, outreach, and promotion of the results uh, that come from the use of a tool. Um, as, as, a as, as a user in a country that is experiencing censorship, the reason why uh, you might want to uh, run and use something like Uniprobe is that uh, it allows you, uh, in fact, to, to go... Um, sorry, just a second that my screen timed out. I'm not sure if it's still... Are you still hearing me? Yeah, you're still on. Ah, sorry. Yeah, I was saying that um, as a user in a country that experiences internet censorship, the reason why you might want to use something like Uniprobe is that it allows you to, uh, in fact, go beyond just this, um, this hearsay of, ah, the internet uh, is, you know, they, they blocked this, uh, this particular app or they blocked this website. But is it, in fact, truly blocked? Or is it uh, just um, you know not accessible due to some transient network failures? Uh, and and something like Uniprobe uh, gives you that additional confidence to be able to um, then be equipped to challenge um, even in legal settings uh, the um, whether or not this is uh, a right thing to do um, because oftentimes we do see that governments will uh, in fact dispute. Um, even the mere fact that internet censorship or some form of network interference is occurring. And they might blame it on, uh, uh, I don't know, we have some networking issues or, uh, ah, this undersea cable was cut. That's why the internet was completely disconnected. And we've seen time and time again, uh, thanks to tools like Uniprobe uh, and also uh, the work that, uh, as mentioned, these uh, uh, local digital rights uh, or NGOs uh, do in challenging the legality of these, uh, it turns out that you know there there is intentionality behind it, uh, and it turns out that it's it's it is in fact possible to also uh, challenge these in a court of law, uh, and we've seen, for example, uh, cases in which uh, they've challenged the legality of censorship in Pakistan, for example, and they did that using Unidata as a foundation, uh, and and they they managed in fact to 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 win the case and to uh, revert the censorship. Uh, and similarly, we have several ongoing cases in a variety of other countries in which uh, lawyers are, again, using Unidata to challenge the legality of censorship. So this is just one of the ways in which uh, you can have impact uh, with something like, um, like Uniprobe. Yeah, and we're, the message that most developers hear from sort of commercial measurement analytics tools is, you know, instrument everything, gather all of this raw data, gather every sort of tap, click, you know, gather it all and then figure it out later, you know, uh, the, the patterns, the problems kind of just, and, and, and keep that data because you need to, you know, retrain your model or you need to do data mining. And I think, you know, the, the counter message we have is one, you know, understand what it is you want to know first and, and measure that specifically. Or I think what you said, which is, yeah, there, there's specific kind of analysis you need to do around the question of how is this website blocked? How is this app blocked? And you've kind of created those tests to understand and pull out the data that would be useful then for advocates to take to court and to fight for those rights, um, as opposed to 
you know, let's just do like deep packet inspection measurement of everything and gather all packets. And, you know, and that leads you into more harmful outcomes um, than for you as an organization, right? A liability of, well, what, what, what data do you have that you captured at, at the sort of raw packet and for your users and for, for everyone else. So I think it's this more thoughtful targeted collection around specific goals is, is, is a key message that Uni really represents. Um, you know, and, and to bring it back to the ocean metaphor, I think, you know, there's, there's been, uh, related to the health of our oceans, the health of, uh, say fishing, right. And it's important that we actually have measurement of, of how, um, well the, uh, the lobster, <laughs> uh, community is doing here in new England, for instance, or different stocks of fish and to really understand, uh, how many whales are left of certain kinds at, at the data level, right. That's, that's a really key thing that's led, led back to improving and have a, a more healthy ecosystem in the ocean. For uh, for those octopus to feed off of, I guess. How do oct- octopus octopi eat lobster pretty well, right? I think that's a. I think so. Probably depends good on the cracking. species. But they yeah, can they crack they open can, the uh, shell pretty. <laughs> yeah, they they have quite some articulation in their tentacles. That's for sure. Uh, any last words? Well, I mean, I actually wanted to add something to to what you were saying before about the. Um, sort of collect everything, think later approach. It's a bit harder than just saying you need to ahead of time define all the possible analyses that you may want to do and then just collect what you need to do it. Because in reality, you can't always do that. And it's a challenge that with Uni we face a lot, like many times. Uh, and and we've actually found, found ourselves um, collecting some data that we didn't immediately need, but it turned out that it was very useful and a good idea that we were collecting it. Mm. Um, I think one thing, though, to keep in mind is as you build like your your collection system is is that still have in mind some intentionality behind it. Like what? Don't just go ahead and collect every random thing um, that you have no idea how you're going to use it. Like at least have in the back of your mind some idea on how you're going to potentially make use of, of, of that thing um, and, and probably only start collecting it once you really have the data processing pipeline in place to, in fact, be able to analyze that data and make uh, use of it. Um, because um, storing and processing large volumes of data can very easily and quickly get out of control. And uh, before you know it, you'll uh, end up like us, sitting on uh, terabytes of data uh, that you don't really know, um, you know, that, that you're struggling with processing it. And, um, right. and so, you know, if you can really just like laser focus on the stuff that you really need and like take a step back and say, okay, but what, what questions do I really have? What, what am I trying to answer? And, and once you have those clear in your mind, then you can say, okay, what might be helpful to answer these questions? Uh, and, it, and you might realize that like 90% of uh, the tools that you have out there um, doing analytics collection, 90% of the features that they have, you don't care about them, you don't need them, and you can very easily disable them, and uh, your users will probably be happier. And I was thinking of the case of Google when they were essentially war driving around cities collecting 
Wi-Fi hotspot locations, which was a great idea to improve their location um, technology, right? So they would say, ah, you're on this hotspot. We know the GPS of that hotspot. But then their technical team, I guess their engineers, went the step farther and said, well, oh, I can connect to the hotspot and I can gather all the packets that are passing through that hotspot because I can. Why not? Um, And they went beyond just because, just because they could. And then they landed in a lot of legal trouble because, you know, and and so they either didn't know why they were collecting it. There wasn't clear directive. They, and they didn't do any kind of threat modeling, both from a liability or or technical. So I think your point is what you laid out actually should be written down somewhere in the sort of understanding, you know, do you have the the pipeline to process it, how will it be useful? Um, and again, I think like also you said of users, we, you know, developers and product service folks, we respect the choices that they will make in their own context. Um, but I think it, we're pushing back against just dropping in a vacuum up all the possible things, toolkits, and then figure out later, because then you end up, like you said, with terabytes of Data. I mean, how many people just have like the standard web logging on their server with like, you know, so many web access logs forever that they never delete? Um, yeah. So. Yeah, and it just becomes a hassle in the long term to uh, manage all this data, and uh, uh, like, you 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 might you you might even be making it harder for yourself to answer the questions that you truly care about because you have so much additional data that you don't really need and you have to filter out all of this noise and all this garbage just to get the the juice the stuff that you really care about that you may as well as well have started from the beginning to collect just the stuff that you need and then you know you could answer your questions much faster uh, and you could you know <laughs> get to the place where you need to be um, without all this additional useless fluff. Well, thank you so much for um, all of this detail. Like I said, I mean, Uni is a big inspiration for the kind of considerations we want to build into the work we're doing and to communicate to other developers. And I think it'll continue to be a kind of case study to point um, people to, to understand the impact you can have um, and the way that, even down to the way your consent is designed. I think we'll be touching on that more over the next uh, week, a couple of weeks, maybe showing some of those screenshots and uh, asking people to install Uniprobe themselves and experience it. That'll actually be a really fun activity to do because I know a lot of people, oh yeah, Uni is great. It's like, well, have you actually ever run it on your phone? Like, oh no, maybe I should. So I think we'll be asking people to actually do that and uh, send in some questions, send in their thoughts, maybe come up with their own pop quizzes. Um, <laughs> There you go. Such a great idea. So, 